Very, very common. You probably read it two or three times a day. Matthew chapter 1. Amen. I call it the uh, the begat book. The begat. I remember as a young man, I was trying to study and I was trying to, God had done called me to preach and I said, Lord, I'll make an agreement with you. I'll kind of, if you teach me the word of God, I'll preach. And uh, of course, God don't make bargains. When God calls you, he calls you. And his callings are without repentance. And uh, so I still took off reading. I was always taught to read the first of the book. Matter of fact, for many years, somebody give me a book and I'd try to read it and I'd always start at the first word. I'd read the copyright and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be through a book till it said the end. Mm-hmm. And I thought you're supposed to read a book that way. Well, I found out there's a lot of books. It's a lot of boring stuff. You have to highlight some of them. But this is not one of them, by the way. But I started at the first. And so I started reading in Matthew chapter 1 through the whole 28 chapters. And I did it all in one week. And that right there is enough to tell you I didn't comprehend much. I didn't know anything anyhow. But uh, when I got through that, I looked at it and I said, Lord, you're going to do something to me. I'll never preach. You don't teach it to me. And the Lord said, you're going to make a bargain when you don't preach anyhow. I'm just going to, you know. (laughs) And you know what? I believe I'd been in the graveyard if I hadn't done it. Because God wanted me to study and pray. And that's not the way God does. Don't you wish God just opened up heaven and threw it down on you? You'd be surprised today if you'd settle your, settle your heart and mind and get down to business. God already filled your mind more than you got now. Amen. Amen. It takes a long time to learn how to study. The Bible says much study is a weariness to the flesh. I do get tired. And everybody else that studies the word of God. How long have you been since you read the word of God you got so tired that you was ready to go to bed? Most of you go to bed while you're reading. Say Amen. I don't get I don't get sleepy like I used to studying the Word of God. I used to do that, but the book is so so exciting to me. And uh, let's look. I've been studying now the Book of Hebrews, and I keep going back to the Book of Hebrews. We've had a few lessons in that. We've studied for a while in that. But this morning, I want us to pick up this because I'm fixing to go through the Book of Matthew, and I want to get into the parables and the things over there and put them in the right perspective. So I need us to see where we're going. Well, the book of Matthew wasn't written with these begats in it to impress you. But they were to teach you. And they're for a purpose. So I said, why in the world would you put uh, Abraham beget Isaac and Isaac beget Jacob, you know, and all those things? Why would you do that? What does that? What good is that? Most of you have read that maybe a time or two or three a time. Maybe you read it a dozen times or a hundred times. I hope you read it a lot more than that over a period of time. But what I'm trying to ask you is, when you read it, what did you get out of it? So I didn't get anything. Well, I preached a lot of sermons off of chapter one. Matter of fact, I was looking at some little notes that I've jotted down in my library. And uh, I said, I don't even remember preaching that. But there's a lot of stuff in it. So I want to look at this this morning. In chapter 1, verse number 1, we may get out of that and go. We're just going to get a highlight of it. 
and get the beginning of chapter one on up into the book of Matthew. Because if you don't get an overall view of what it's there for, uh, you're not going to get the truth. So we see what he says in Matthew chapter one, verse one, the book, the book of a generation of the generation, not just, see, we've got generations too. You've got a generation. I've got a generation. A time of our life. What is a generation? People got messed up with the generations. I remember back on when I was just a young, he said, the Lord's coming. Uh, he said, uh, you know, this, the, you're not going to see this, this, this generation will not pass till these things be fulfilled out of the book of Matthew. And they were preaching his brothers going around trying to figure out how long a uh, generation was. Some said a 30 years, some 35. None come out said 41, said 45. And they, that's why that fellow wrote that book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord Will Come in 1988. He says a 40 year generation that Jews went in the whole land in 1948. Amen. And they didn't, they didn't get that clear. And so they take 40 and add it to 48. That gives you 88. And that fellow sound wrote a book. Bad thing is, it didn't happen. So in 1989, he wrote a book, 89 Reasons Why the Lord's Coming in 89. He sold the same people. They slaughtered it, hook, line, and sinker. Then the needers say they quit writing books like that. And of course, they've been... been date setters for all these years. And what they didn't realize is that is true. This generation shall not pass to all these things be fulfilled. But remember, God didn't put the Jews back in. He didn't drive them in to the homeland in 1948. He hadn't done that yet. When he does, that generation will see him. And I'm going to explain all that when we go through uh, this book. And I pray that God might help us. You see, uh, God didn't drive them into the home. Matter of fact, has all Jews moved into Israel? According to my Bible, they will. I started mentioning this in our Bible study Saturday before. And I got to talking about how, how does God, how's God going to get those Jews in the home. And you'd ask me this two years ago, I'd have told you, I don't have no clue, no idea. But you asked me today, how's God going to get them Jews back in that land? I'm going to say, I don't know exactly how he's going to do it, but I, I have an idea of what might happen. And that may not be right, but I'm going to tell you, I know he will. Because I watched him change the entire world for one uh, thing called coronavirus. Every country has been changed. I would have never believed they'd put a lockdown for the world. I'd never believed they'd shut churches down for the coronavirus. You'd have told me that five years ago. I said, you're talking out of your head. Ain't that right? Well, it's happened. We've seen it. We already had a trial run. Now, what's happened? I said this on Saturday. I said something. I asked him, Did, uh, do you know what uh, uh, you, this business of Jews, uh, they, they're fighting the Jews today and they hate the Jew. And the Bible says every nation is going to come against the Jew. 
America as well. And uh, what is it they call us today if you don't, if you're against the Jew? Do you remember me on Saturday asking you, do you know what anti-Semitic is? I started on that, and I guess it's because God wanted today. But I, I got to run in a rabbit and never did finish it. I do that sometimes. And uh, I called, I said, how many knows what anti-Semitism is? And then I didn't finish that. Have you noticed in our society that everything is divided? Uh, people's more racial than they've ever been, but we've got groups that call us the racial people. I'm not. I don't have any anti-Semitism. In I don't despise the Jews. I don't despise any nation. I don't despise any color. They all got souls. I preach to all. We send literature to all. Amen. I treat everybody the same, the best I can. What the best they'll let me. Sometimes they don't let me. So I'm looking at this and, and I'm saying, how's this going to happen? Well, after I said that on Saturday, uh, on Monday, I got a, a little notice little notice coming on my phone. I look at it. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't watch the television. I don't watch the news in America. It just kind of gets it, it, it gets filtered to me in this way and that way. I don't have to watch anything like that. Uh, but I can keep up with I, I do try to pick up on uh, foreign news, uh, especially about Israel. Israel right now, you probably don't know what's happened lately in Israel. Israel's in a trouble. They're afraid now they're going to have war because Iran and all them want to go to war with them. Yeah. And it's not Iran in particular. It's, it's the background of it. But it's Hezbollah and all that group. All them are coming against them. And there may be a war. I, I, I listen to uh, you know news about Poland and all those things. And they're trying their best to uh, get in in war. Washington is the head of trying to get war started, and they're trying to cover their uh, foolishness. Uh, you hear in Ukraine saying they're done this and done that, and Israel. I mean, and Russia's about defeated. It's about over. And I got better sense of that. Amen. I don't know what all they're doing over there, but I know this much. Uh, Russia is not the one that's tore all the pieces and gotten them. And see, the uh, thing in Ukraine wouldn't be where they're at if every country hadn't tried to put that. I don't understand all that stuff. If my neighbors are fighting me, can I go to Gainesville and get people to come up here and give my neighbor stuff to him to kill me and, then, and them not be involved? I don't understand all that. That's just the way the world is running. And if I understood it all, well, I don't want to get into that. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is anti-Semitism, I believe one of these days will get to every country, to every country will want to drive the Jew out of, his, out of, the, out of their country. And when they do, all those Jews are going to the Holy Land. Yeah. And God's going to get them all in one place. I read that in the Bible. And so when I read that, I see what's happening. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. But one day God's going to put, and them Jews, are they don't want to go back. 
but they don't want to stay in a country that's going to persecute them and kill them. Yeah. So they're going to go to the safest place they got. And when they get over there, uh, it's not going to be too good then because there's going to be uh, persecution and then tribulation. Now I'm not getting into that. That's not what I opened Matthew for. Look at Matthew chapter one, the book of the generation of who? Jesus Christ. That's who I'm really good. I don't, you know, my wife used to do genealogy. I've jumped a lot of tombstones with her because she couldn't walk good and I'd go hunting for her and i say, here it is. She'd come over there and look at them, write all that down. She put them books out on ancestry. She loved all that stuff. Amen. Uh, she picked out a few on my side and I didn't particularly care too much about what they did. And I, I she was revealing too much about my family and I said, just leave it alone. <laughs> you probably got them too. But I'm saying to you, I do care about the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only two books in the Bible that has a genealogy. One of them is Matthew and the other is Luke. Now, Matthew portrays the Lord Jesus Christ as the king, the king. Uh, he will tell you about that. The phrase is mentioned more in the book of Matthew than any other is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. There's two things, and people don't understand this. I've preached it quite a few times, but just get back to the basic fundamentals of it. There's a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Two things. Now, uh, I preach this. I've been preaching this stuff for so many years. I'm not a, I'm not a prophetic preacher, but I just, I like preaching the Bible. And so in Bible, matter of fact, the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 is prophecy. Some of it's happened. Some of it's done took place. Christ coming and being born of a virgin was prophecy at one time. It's not prophecy now. But it was at one time, correct? So we we're standing there, we're seeing it. So the whole entire Bible, that one is going to come, Genesis 3.15 is a prophecy that Christ was coming. And he's going to bruise. Amen. You know, the head of the serpent, he is going to do that. And the serpent would bruise his heel. And that took place on Calvary. Actually, it took place past Calvary when he rose on the third day. Over death, hell, and the grave, the world, flesh, and the devil. So that happened, right? And so he, he's fulfilled prophecy in them days, in our days. We've seen that. But there's still some we don't know about. There's some that's happening and will happen. Uh, but it's prophecy all the way. So you look at that. They had to have somebody to come, but he couldn't be an ordinary man. Genesis 3.15 couldn't take an ordinary man. No human man, no human flesh could die for the sins of the world because they would be sinful. There's nothing in me, nothing in you that would ever place us in a place that we could die for some soul, some heart, some individual. And to do that, I mean, if, if some man died for those, he'd be in vain. That's why we had to have a God-man. That's why we have to have what we call the incarnation. That's why we had to have God entered into human flesh. And lots of people have said, hey, Christ 
did not exist until he was born in the, out of the womb of Mary and wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Oh, no, that's not right. He always has been. There's never been a time when Christ was not. There'll never be a time when Christ will not be. Amen. Where's he at? This, he's in my heart, for one. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, doing the intercessor part of him. But I'm indwelled with him by the Holy Ghost of God. Right? You can't argue with these. You argue with anything I'm teaching here this morning. You're on the wrong track. Somebody doesn't got a hold of you. A fellow went to the door to some fellow one time and doing the census and he said, what kind of uh, religion are you? He said, oh, I'm Baptist. He said, all of us down here are Baptist, but what's been messed with? Well, that's, that's what they said. But I'm saying today, I want to tell you right now, brother, I believe what I'm preaching and I'm go at it. So if he's going to be a king, he's going to be the king of the Jews. Matter of fact, Matthew portrays him as that. Mark don't portray him as that. So he don't have a genealogy. Mark portrays him as a suffering servant. A servant, well, if you're going to have somebody come in and clean your house and do things like that and do menial work and all that, you don't care uh, where they was born of a king or a queen or if you're high up on the ladder of social. They don't mind that. They don't care. As long as you do their job, that's, you're a servant. And so they, he portrays Christ as a suffering, suffering servant. He served us, did he? Yes. Servant, servant he was. He died for us. He served us. Luke now comes to him and uh, he's got a genealogy. Now the reason is if a king is going to be a king, he's got to prove that he's entitled to a kingship. So Matthew takes him here and goes back and he goes back to Abraham. You notice in the second verse, let's read two verses. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Now that blows many people's minds to tell you that Jesus Christ is the son of David, yet Christ made David. That's hard to understand, but we'll, we'll kind of bounce through some of this. And then he said, he's also the son of Abraham in that verse. You're looking at it from the physical when you don't understand that. You got to look at it from the spiritual. You got to look at it from that which God has put there. God has not put anything in there that's not so. The Bible's all true, even when he talks about the devil. Amen. So he says in verse two, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Now we'll just stay with that for a minute. You see how far back he goes? He only goes back to Abraham. Now why would you just not go these others before that? He goes back to Abraham. How come? Because Abraham was the beginning of the Jewish nation. Amen. Adam wasn't. What about it? Seth wasn't. Amen. They, went, they were just family, I mean, on, on the earth. And before that, but Abraham is the first one that is classified as a part of the Jewish nation. It's established in Abraham. You can't take the Jewish nation back any further than Abraham. Have we got that? 
If you don't get that, you're going to miss what I'm fixing to say. So here what is what's happening. He's taken back the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ back to Abraham. And what he's doing that for is to show you that he's talking to the Jewish people here and he's trying to tell them that he's going back to Abraham. You know what happens when you mention the name of Abraham in the Holy Land? You get the attention of them Jews. You mention David, they've got the tomb of David. They put a crown in there every year. They think he's the greatest king who ever was. And they know that Abraham was the patriarch. He's the one that started the nation or what they claim. You can go over and talk about other people, but you talk about Abraham? Amen. Praise God, I must stomp my feet or something. Praise God. This, this is exciting stuff to me. This is, this is history. Praise God. This is not stuff you shout off of unless it gets down in the shower. You got your shouter stopped up, the door shut. And you can't shout it out. But I'm telling you, this is what happens. Now, when you get to the book of Mark, there's no such thing. You get to the book of Luke. Luke, Mark portrays him as a servant, but Luke portrays him as the son of man. Now that is a phrase that declares him as all God and all man. Now if Christ is going to be all God, you've got to have a genealogy. So hold your place in Matthew. I'm coming back to it. Come turn over to the book of Luke. Let me see if I can find the chapter and uh, get into it. It's a little further into it than, than uh, Matthew, but it's in chapter number three. Chapter 3 of the book of Luke. Christ has already been born. Chapter 1 and 2. Chapter 3. Uh, even Jesus is starting his earthly ministry. And he goes down to John. And amen. He, uh, he, he baptizes him. And we start at verse number 23. And in Luke chapter 3 and verse 23. And Jesus himself. I like that began to be about 30 years of age. That's the age that a lot of them, uh, the old ones, that's, that's the acceptable age of adulthood. Uh, even though the soldiers in the Old Testament went into war at 20, they classified them 20 as being an adult. But, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed as was supposed. And look what it says, the son of Joseph. Now that's what they thought, what they're saying. He was not the son of Joseph. I like how the translators put that in, and was supposed, which was the son of Heli. And he's talking about Joseph. Now if you look at that, he goes, this is right, it's talking about, it goes backwards. In Matthew, he goes back to Abraham and comes up to, J, uh, to Joseph. In Luke, he goes back to further than Abraham, and we'll see that in the end. He starts in his place there where he's come to. Now let's just kind of turn over and go with me, please, uh, to, let's see what verse I want to go. Yes, let's go to verse number 38. Which was the son of Enos, 
which was the son of Seth. You know who Seth was? He's the one that came forth after Cain killed Abel. Seth started the other generation with him, you see. Seth. And it says here, which was the son of what? Who? Adam, which was the son of God. God made him. So he's going all the way back to God the Father. Showing you that he's got a lineage for God and he's got a lineage uh, for the divine lineage and he's got one for the earthly lineage of the Jewish Hebrew people. Does that make sense? Do you see that? And uh, that's important. He, he's going to be all God and all man so he's got to give them the credentials. This is his credentials. Then John portrays Christ as the son of God. Now the son of God needs no backup. The son of God needs no lineage. The son of God is the son of God. Amen. And you can see that. And so now let's go back, if you will, please, to the book of Matthew. I could talk about all those things, but we're looking at this, and I pray that the Lord might help us with it as we uh, in in they uh, I mean in involve ourselves in trying to find this out. Now Matthew wants to give you the picture of the Messiah. So in chapter 1 and 2, we find the appearance of the Messiah coming on the scene. So you see, it, it get the genealogy in chapter 1, then you find worthy the kings come and uh, visit him at the birth. And actually they come when he's a young child, not a baby. We study that, we see it. And then in chapter 3, we find he starts his ministry and is baptized. And we won't get into that in any much deep, deep, deeper than that today because I want to go back and get some other. I don't want to skip too much. And then we find in uh, chapter 4, there's a temptation of, of the Messiah. In chapter 5 through 15, you find the ministry of, of the Messiah. And we go all down through there and we will find it's a blessing. But now, Matthew writes to the Jew, primarily to the Jew, and a king, and a king. Primarily all the way through Matthew, you'll find, matter of fact, the, the phrase kingdom of heaven is only mentioned in the book of Matthew. The kingdom of God is also mentioned in it. But the others don't mention the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that significant? You're going to see the difference as we go into this. A lot of people, you talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and that just rolls around in most Christians' minds. God didn't put his Bible together for us just to speculate on. He wrote his words. You talk about in this day, uh, what is they call it when they when you say things a little different, uh, it's what, what they talk about today, when you say something, I'm trying to get the little term I use. I don't pay no attention to it. That's the reason I don't know about it. Uh, you know, when you got to say everything right. Politically, politically correct. I preach and they'll say, that wasn't politically correct. In other words, you said something that didn't mean what we think it means today. Well, I ain't preaching for the world. 
I ain't preaching trying to stay politically correct. I'm taking the word of God as the word of God. I'm preaching it like God wrote it. And that's what we need. A lot of things I don't know about, and so I don't preach it. Maybe that's why some of the other preachers don't preach some of this stuff. They don't know about it. But you need to study it. Amen. You know, every job I've ever took down in, in life, uh, personal job, I tried to follow the rules of what they want. They always get, have you ever took a job to give you a manual? They give you a little manual. You ever had a public job somewhere they give you a manual? Basically what they expect, to, you know, if you're out as sick, you got to call in and you and tell them you're sick. And if you don't call in for three days, you're fired. That's in the main. You see what I'm saying? Well, this is the main. And God's got instruction in this manual. And when I took the job, if you want to call it that, of preaching, I had to verse myself in the Bible. I didn't know much about the Bible. Don't know a whole lot now, but I know enough to keep me from drowning. Sometimes I get over my head. Amen. But that's when it gets good. You know, uh, as Ezekiel said, you step out and some of you just ankle deep and all you can do is make a splash. He didn't say it that way. And uh, sometimes you get out a little further and you get knee deep. And when you are knee deep in water, the water begins to start controlling you. You get waist deep in the water and the water starts moving you around a little bit and you have to take it. But when you get in up to here, I'll tell you right now, it takes you off your feet and this water's to swim in. And now I'll tell you, it takes control. And that's where we need to be in the Word of God today. We need, but most of us just, we like, we're waders. Waders can't do that, but make a splash. And we need to get out in the water and get down in the, you know, we're still on uh, Cheerios and cornflakes. We need to get down to the T-bone steak of the word and learn a little bit. Let's look a little further because time's going to catch me in a minute and I haven't got as far as I'd like to go, but I'll come back and pick this up because this is something I need to get you. Now, some of you done heard this before. Uh, you probably don't remember it, but we did. We've gone over some of this. And uh, it, you may think, well, I've heard that before. I don't want to hear it again. Okay, we're going to hear it again. I found out when I hear a preacher preach it, you know, I don't. I, I listen to a lot of preachers. Uh, I listen, there's some I wouldn't touch. Somebody said, I don't know. I don't know who to listen to and not listen to. I wouldn't tell that. If you learn the scriptures enough, you ought to know a little bit about it. There's anything that irritates me to hear somebody say, I like old brother down yonder that uh, runs uh, the Church of Christ. I love his preaching. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. That'll tell you right off what kind of doctrine he preaches. Somebody said, I, I like old so and so. Sure, Ken, he got that charisma to him. Yeah, and he believes from falling from grace. And you got to listen to him. You think he's a good preacher? Anybody preach falling from grace that you can lose your salvation? He's a false teacher. Amen. I wouldn't listen to that. That's why I don't listen to charismatics and all that. 
I, I, I don't listen to the free will Baptists. They believe you can lose your salvation. Sit on a Baptist pew. Yeah. You understand? There's common sense will tell you something about the preachers. That, yeah, I know why people like them. Darling, how you look. You look so good today. Glad you came to our church. Kisses go kids' hands. Give them candy. Oh, you like that. You like to be patted on the back. You like to be told how good you are. But I don't like that. How many sees in the word of God Jesus doing that? Amen. He upset them. What about Paul? Every town he went into, he had a right of revival. He's preaching against things. Oh, we ought to do good things. Everybody ought to have good things. It's not to get saved. It's because we have been saved and God's put something. I want to tell everybody about Jesus. I enjoy it. That's why I go out every day. I go out hunting. I'm a hunter. I've never went physically hunting with a gun, but one time, and I shot that squirrel about 20 times before he ever fell out of the tree. <laughs> When he fell, he didn't have but one hole in <laughs> I chased him all through the woods. And I just shooting in the air. But I want to tell you, I go out and I say, Lord, send me somewhere. Sometimes the Lord says, go here. I said, Lord, that's, I don't like that place. He said, well, you ask me. I go, end up, God sends me. I find somebody to talk to Amen. Praise God. Brother Dwayne, you know a little bit about that, don't you? Yeah. Amen. We just, get, we just go out. We're not ragged hunting. I'm looking at somebody talking about the Lord. I love the Lord. He loves me. And if you're not telling him, don't tell me you love him. If you're not going out bragging about him, don't tell me you love the Lord. That little verse I've been working on all week long, bless my soul that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That's got a hold of me so much this week. It's been, mm, that I may know him. I want to know him. I want to know what he thinks. I want to know how he lives. I want to know what you said. Hey, he told me, God, well, Lord, tell me what that is. I want you to make me like that. All right, we then will get through this first chapter. But we look at this and Matthew's writing to the Jews as a, and trying to get them to see the king. Mark is writing uh, to the Romans. Study the book of Mark and you'll find out he's, he's writing primarily to the Romans. Luke is writing to the real smart folks, the Greeks. You know, when you're out there in the world, you've got to meet people that's different IQ. I hate to say it, but it's right. Some people don't know much about the Bible. Some people don't know much about the Lord. That's because they have never heard it or never have had a desire for it or maybe they're not saved or whatever it is. But you have to talk to people, different people on a different level. That's why it's hard to pastor. I'm not in here to tell you that some of you don't have no smarts. I ain't saying that. Some of them has got the smarts, ain't got the other. And uh, I tell, I found out one thing, man, you need as a child of God, you need some, what they call good old horse sense, common sense. Right. Luke 
is writing to the Greeks. John is writing to who? Somebody want to guess who that is? Christians, believers, or the church. In some instances, it applies to the church. So God is meeting every one of us on our own terms and on what we really are. Do you understand that? Ain't you glad we got a God that cares for everybody? While we're trying to separate ourselves from one to another, God puts us in the same class and said we all need to know and he wants to teach us. So that's why the preacher preaches on certain things. Sometimes it don't fit you. That's why sometimes he preaches on something else fits somebody else and uh, you don't like it when it's preached to you. So God's trying to work the board to get us all to know what we need to know. I'll be first in here to tell you I don't know everything. And I hope you're second to say the same thing. But if you ever get the place that you think you know more than this and more than that, I'll tell you what, you start searching the world. There's a lot of people you'll find that knows more about this book than you do. You might not admit it, but they do. Does that make sense? Well, I'm about to quit right there. It's just getting to place now to get started. But I got the background done. We'll come back and get this other. We'll get back in this favorite book, favorite chapter of everybody that's been born again. Chapter one of the book of Matthew. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the goodness of God. I pray you to help us and strengthen us and encourage us. Help us to stand in the gap and try to make up the hedge for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, at this point in time in our life, it's about all we can do is try Back on, we had the opportunity, we didn't do it. Now, Lord, we pray today that you'll help us with the rest of the journey. We'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen. Get ready for worship. Amen. For the next few minutes. <laughs>